Good morning. Well, we're continuing today with our study in the book of Philippians. And I have to say that I'm excited to be looking at this really lovely book of the Bible. There's so many inspiring verses contained within these four short chapters. The letter was written by Paul to a church which was undergoing a time of persecution. In the first week in chapter one, we looked at how God is in control. And then last week in chapter two, we learned about how to live as a servant, having the same attitude as Christ Jesus, our perfect example for behavior in difficult times. And it teaches us how to be ambassadors of the gospel, even whilst undergoing times of loss and pain and suffering. How we can have peace and joy through some tough times. The, the title was meant to be learning how to live a life of loss, but I thought, mm, no, I'm gonna change it to eyes on the prize. So let's move on to chapter three and look first at uh, verses one to three. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. First of all, I wonder how many of us take supplements, some addition to our normal diet. Some newspapers have supplements at weekends, Supplements are those things which are additional to the main thing. So in here in Philippi, the Jewish people who became followers of Jesus, they didn't see themselves as having converted to a different religion. They viewed Christianity as a continuation of Judaism, the completing of their faith, the fulfillment of God's promises with the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. However, some of them had got it wrong and insisted that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who became Christians, should also become Jews by being circumcised. Now, circumcision was a sign of the covenant that God had made with their ancestor Abraham. To the Judaizers, they wanted to have Jesus as their Lord and their saviour, but also to have all Christians follow the law of Moses as well. It was like a supplement. Paul is using some very strong language here and the message translation puts it. Steer clear of the barking dogs, those religious busybodies, all bark and no bite. All they're interested in is appearances. Knife happy circumcisers, I call them. They were adding a supplement to the gospel. Faith in Christ plus circumcision and obeying certain laws of Moses. Paul is saying, no way. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. No supplements required. Mark Denver said, our justification before God is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. Our salvation is not dependent on rituals or performance or good works. Jesus has done it all. The price is paid. Nobody needs to go out and arrange for circumcision. 
and I think I hear a collective sigh of relief from the men folk. But before the Apostle Paul met with the Lord Jesus, he was putting his faith in his religious zeal. If we read from verse 4, Though myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, fondness. Now, this is an impressive list of credentials, but he goes on to say in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Just all rubbish. All that he'd achieved before, it was rubbish. Jesus is for losers. We have to lose our own way of thinking lose whatever confidence we had in our own abilities and achievements, lay it all on the altar of God. The only thing that counts is a new creation in Christ. God doesn't care about your successes or your failures. He cares about you and your relationship with him. Paul goes on in verses 10 to 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. You think, well, if the Apostle Paul doesn't know Christ, who does? But his point is that our eternal, infinite Lord always draws us further into his goodness and his glory. We are on a journey with Jesus, and because he is infinite, there is always more to know. There's no arrival point. There is always more of him to know. Years ago, I put a question mark in my Bible next to the word somehow. Why was Paul saying that somehow to attain from the resurrection from the dead? Surely he would know for certain that Jesus had given him eternal life. If Jesus is raised, then we too are raised to life. So I was puzzled by the word, somehow. Surely he knew how. I found later that the word translates, and I'm probably not saying it right, but it looks like epos, and means a hope, not within the power of the one hoping. He hopes for the resurrection from the dead, as do we all, but it was not within his power to make it happen. He and we are totally dependent on the promises of God, and God does not lie. Now we come to some of my favourite verses, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, absolutely not, but 
I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The subtitle in the NIV is pressing on toward the goal. In the message, it is focused on the goal. If I had to choose a subtitle, I would say up and running. Years ago, I heard someone mention choosing a life verse, a scripture verse to live by. And I chose this one. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There was a day when Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now Paul understood that Jesus had taken hold of him for a reason, pressing on to take hold of that. Everybody should underline that in their Bible. What is the that in your life? You know, the thing that God took, the purpose. And don't we all want to win that prize? We recently had the Olympic Games in Tokyo where the athletes compete for medals of gold and silver and bronze, but we are pressing on for an eternal heavenly prize. Now, I wonder, do you feel that there's a bit of tension here? We said earlier that salvation is through Jesus and Jesus alone, not by any of our own efforts. And yet now we're thinking that we have to do the pressing on and the straining towards what is ahead. Well, just because I don't have to do anything to earn my salvation doesn't mean that there isn't anything important for me to do. Eddie Askew, in one of his lovely books of meditation um, written for the leprosy mission, he says in writing about these verses in Philippians, he had been, at the time, reading two books. One was about the spirituality of the early Desert Fathers, that come from long periods of solitude and meditation. And it was emphasizing the importance of being and not doing. The second book he was reading was a book by Michael Coist who wrote, God isn't going to ask, what did you dream? What did you think? What did you plan? What did you preach? He's going to ask, what did you do? Now there's a tension here between the two. It's a fine balance. We need those quiet times with the Lord where we sort out our relationship with him, but then we take it out and we live it out in the world. Some of us would just like to mm, sit by the roadside and look for spiritual food to come our way without any effort on our part. Now the rangers in Yellowstone Park tell that in spite of many signs saying, do not feed the bears, People are constantly doing just that. As a result, rangers pick up dead bears in the woods that die of starvation because tourists were no longer there to feed them. If there were no handouts for two weeks, just two weeks, the bears die. And yet the woods are full of food. We can press on, feed on God's word. No more of Christ through prayer and Bible study and obedience and fellowship with other Christians. 
A few weeks ago, in our series Made for Mission, Sam spoke of the importance of continuing the use of social media and podcasts for the spread of the gospel. And I fully agree with Sam. Times have changed. There are some people who won't come to church, but who might watch services online and get to know the Lord, which would be great, but it's not perfect. What we need for our maturing as Christians is the local church. We've been very grateful for the online services as we um, have continued through lockdown, but it's not the ideal. John Piper says that sanctification is a community project. You cannot and should not go it alone. We need the prayers, the counsel, the encouragement, and if I might say on occasion, the blooming awkwardness of other people. Church is a family, and in every family there are occasional differences and disagreements. If I'm honest, I would say that the local church has been the source of some of my greatest joys, but also some of my deepest pain. How often have I been huffed or offended and then realised later that I was at fault or that I needed to forgive and move on? It's easy to sit on the sofa at home and watch the service on a screen but if I'd done that for all of my Christian life, how much would I have missed? How much would I have missed of the fun and the laughter, the teaching and the occasional pity party, all of which have helped me to change, helped me to grow, which would not have happened if I'd just been online. Without the church, without the meeting together, I would not have grown. It's the message translation says, Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. And in verse 13, it does say, I, I have, do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. When you're in a race, the last thing that you should do is to look back. In the 1954 British Games in Vancouver, there was a race known as the Miracle Mile because it was the first race in history to feature two runners who had run the mile in under four minutes, John Landy and Roger Bannister. Landy held the world record and he was actually winning the race when he made one critical mistake he looked back over his shoulder on the left while Bannister surged past him on the right, winning the race by 0.8 seconds. A bronze sculpture was made from a photograph taken of the incident. And Landy quipped, while Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back, I am probably the only person turned into bronze for looking back. But some people look back at their past successes, all their achievements. Instead of serving God now in the present, they just console themselves with what they used to do in the past. God still has a work for you to do. There are no has-beens in the Christian life. I've really felt that over these last 18 months or so, I've been a bit in limbo, but I'm really praying that the Lord would show me what he would have me do for the future. Others have the opposite problem. They focus on their failures. 
be encouraged. God has forgiven you and he still has a work for you to do. He is the God of second chances and he will never give up on you. As I said earlier, you are saved by grace. You cannot earn your salvation, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a work for you to do. Faith is not a decision you made in the past that doesn't affect how you live today. Let's keep our eyes on the goal. Be satisfied in Jesus, but with a holy discontent about your progress in the Christian life. And don't lose ground, verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Christian maturity is knowing that you haven't arrived yet. There's still plenty of room to grow. As John Bates often says, the biggest room is the room for improvement. And I think that it was John Newton who said, I am not what I should be. I'm really not what I want to be. I am not what I will be. But praise God, I am not what I used to be. Surely we can say that today. Praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Let me encourage you today, if you're sitting on the sidelines, it's time to get back in the race because, and we read on in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven. People who want to become British, British citizens have to pass a test. We don't have to work or pass a test for our heavenly citizenship. It's a free gift from God. Ray Fowler, in his excellent commentary on these verses, says that we are to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. And the word written is in a special tense in the Greek, which can then be translated. It is once for all written and stands written forever. If your name is written, it will be written forever. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We are eagerly, eagerly awaiting a saviour from heaven. The citizens of heaven, we are eagerly awaiting a saviour from there. The citizens, the true citizens, are watching for Christ's return. Watch, pray, be ready. And our bodies will be transformed. That's what it says. They will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. All the aches and pains will be gone when Jesus returns and we will be like him. Heaven is our home. My name is written there. Is yours? It could be if you just put your trust in Jesus to save you. I remember one occasion in our house group where we all spontaneously burst into song. When we all see Jesus, what a day of rejoicing that will be. So friends, persevere, keep pressing on, seek God for what he would have you do. Fix your mind on things above and press on to win the prize.